AM 1220 KDOW is proud to present the podcast of Real Life Lending on Money 2.0. Now here's financial services expert Eric Elovsky-McKay. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Real Life Lending here on AM 1220 KDOW. We are your Northern California show for what's new and true in mortgage finance and real estate. My name is Eric McKay. I've been in the corporate finance and lending industry for 27 years. I've seen it all. Currently, the Northern California area manager for Essex Mortgage, and I run the beautiful loan center in Northern California. But the best part of my job is sitting across the kitchen table with listeners like yourself, getting you back into home ownership or buying your second uh, investment property or your 20th commercial property. Uh, a little bit about Essex Mortgage. We've been in business 29 years. Uh, we fund about a billion dollars a year in residential real estate. We are the bank. We are not a broker. We make all lending decisions in-house. And sometimes that's a great thing. We're happy not to be a big box lender. Sometimes we can do things a little bit outside the box. We have some different programs, such as our bank statement program for self-employed borrowers. Lots of things going on. I live and breathe this every day. And the show was my creation about three years ago because of my frustration with the East Coast media uh, telling everybody how difficult it was to get a mortgage, how terrible the real estate market was, how you needed to stay away and you needed an 800 FICO and 99% down in order to take advantage of the market. Uh, so this is a place that was built for you, the consumer. Give us a call. We have a lot of ways to get a hold of us. If you have a question, if you're in the middle of a refinance or a purchase, give us a call or maybe uh, you're being pitched a refinance. One of the things we offer all of our listeners is a free evaluation. Send us your good faith estimate or your loan estimate these days, and we'll do one of two things. We'll take a look at it and tell you, you know, this is great. It's a solid deal, and I'll probably call that loan officer and offer him a job, or I'll tell you, yeah, you know, you can probably do a little bit better with this structure, and here's why. And that's what this show's about, all about you. So give us a call with all those questions, and I'm going to put a little homework assignment out for everybody today. Uh, we want to hear your worst real estate experiences or maybe your worst investment and maybe your best success story, uh, investment, real estate purchase. We'd like to hear from, I know I've got a couple of them. I know today uh, we have Jessica Couch here on, on studio. Hi, Jessica. Hi, thanks for having me. Remind everybody who you are and what you do. Uh, full-time realtor. I enjoy um, helping people with owner-occupant, but I really enjoy helping people make money with their money. And um, that is easiest to do with an investment property. So that's what I really enjoy doing. And we're going to get some calls tonight. The way to reach us, the easiest way is call in or text, same number, 925-203-5808, 925-203-5808. Or you can reach our website at reallifelending.com. That's reallifelending.com. Again, call in with your questions, your stories. We'd love to hear from you. If you're an agent out there, I'd love to hear what you're seeing in the market, 925-203-5808. Um, lots going on mortgage rates as much as I hate to talk about them. I'm going to talk about them right now because they're holding near three year lows. Again, if you're in the middle of a transaction, talk to your loan officer, get that loan locked. You know, it, it's a good solid time. I don't think we're going to go be much lower, but, um, you know, if I had a crystal ball, I'd be sitting on a beach somewhere, but this is a great time. And, and we have, you know, the fed still making rumblings about interest rates. I read an article today, and this is just a contradiction in our industry. Yeah, Fed still explains four rate hikes in 2016. The other one said, the other article said, just written two minutes afterwards saying, nah, they're going to leave it alone and see what happens. So if anybody tells you they know what what uh, what's going to happen, they're just not telling the truth. Um, Wells Fargo, still some remnants of our downturn. Wells Fargo just settled an FHA record. Uh, they decided that they agreed to pay more than a $1.2 billion, that's $1.2 B billion, 
uh, to resolve a dispute with the Justice Department over mortgages that falsely claimed they were eligible for FHA financing. And what happened with all those mortgages that were underwritten poorly and insured by FHA, uh, it turned out that, um, that that whole accounting led to substantial losses for taxpayers and when FHA had to pay all those insurance claims. So still happening, Jessica. You're still getting this, these huge fines still happening. I, I believe it, but I just, it begs the question, why? I mean, you would have a lower payment. You wouldn't have any MI. Why? Why lie? <laughs> but the thing about it is, is these guys were making so much money. And regardless of how you feel of who, who, whose fault it was at that time, um, but nobody's going to jail. Uh, and that's what's, what's frustrating from just a small guy like me. Uh, there were some shenanigans not going on at my level, you know, but that on the trades and the equity trades and, and derivative sales, that's where all this happened. And, and if you guys saw the recent, all the movies that are out right now, you saw really what kind of a peek behind the curtain of what happened. But uh, Wells, Wells Fargo, if you're a Wells Fargo account holder or a stockholder, you probably lost a little bit today. They ended up paying $1.2 billion to the Justice Department. Um, Jessica, I've got an article here that says, Real California real estate market's hotter than ever this spring. Seeing the same thing? I would agree. We are getting calls, and I know you're going to throw out some investment properties, and we're ready for the phone to ring because we sell them yes. by tomorrow morning. Yes. Because uh, we know how much you like the multi-units, and there's so many Barry investors that listen to our show, and we're very ha- happy about that. And we've got a lot of text questions from last week, and but this is one of the, f- the best first quarters in years we've had uh, in our market in California. Uh, and of course, in the Bay Area real estate, even all of our markets seeing intense demand um, in the past months. But um, March, uh, January, March up 12% from January and February. It feels like it. Uh, and, and San Francisco, obviously, number one. Um, Vallejo Fairfield, number two in our, in our, our, in the area, actually in the country right now. Wow. Uh, uh, up from number five last month. Uh, we've got just some huge increases. And I know that just by the way the phones are ringing, we're feeling the same thing, right? Yes, we are. I think everyone who was on the fence about wanting to sell has decided they're ready. And everyone who was on the fence about buying, especially investment properties, they've all come out of the woodwork. All right. San Jose ranks number sixth uh, in the market, taking only 20 days to sell. Uh, San Francisco average days on market is 24 days. Vallejo Fairfield, 38 days. So homes are selling fast. A couple other top uh, California markets, Santa Cruz, number four. Santa Rosa, number seven, Sacramento, number eight, San Diego, number nine, Stockton, number 10, Oxstar, number 12, Eureka, Modesto, Los Angeles, all in the list. So uh, again, uh, we know that here in Northern California, we are trendsetters. We kind of set the pace for the rest of the country. We were the first ones to really hit bottom and the first ones to try to pull ourselves out. But it's actually created our own little microcosm. We think that we're untouchable. But as we know, in the last downturn, things happen, right? Right. Luckily, most of the forecasts that I read and, and the economists that I see, we don't see a bubble. We've got home prices probably expected to increase maybe 5 10% normally in a normal market. Would you agree? Yes, I would. I think that is exactly the mark. Um, but one of the things, you know, we're talking about how our prices are near, you know, within five or 10% in some, in some Bay area, uh, markets, they're, they're even with the all time highs, uh, especially in San Francisco. But one of the things I really found kind of interesting is that, um, we're talking about pricing increasing, but affordability because, uh, uh, you know, housing prices have increased 
uh, wages have not really increased uh-huh. that much. And that's what this, there's actually this, this article says that most Bay Area counties are, are more affordable than historic levels. So because we're, we're tech industry is taken off, people are making more money, but the lack of inventory is what's creeping up right. home prices. Um, the lowest affordability conditions in Sacramento and California, most Bay Area counties, uh, San Mateo, Solano, Santa Clara, and Contra Costa. The worst, San Francisco and Alameda, uh, was less affordable. So it kind of, kind of, kind of takes you back, even like to the '80s when prices were going, and we had the boom. And the, actually, don't people don't remember the downturn in like '94, '95, '96 when um, I purchased my current home, and I didn't know what short sale was. The terminology didn't exist, but I remember the buy the seller bringing in cash to close. So we've been through this market before, but um, theoretically homes are more affordable now it's true (laughs) what else are you seeing out there jessica um anything that goes on the market that is priced correctly multiple bids um this morning we were on tour we were hearing stories about those that put their house on the market and they couldn't get the buyers couldn't get their offer in because they were outbid by 17 and 18 other offers right so i think it's it's become really challenging for those that are fha or maybe need help with closing costs to be able to get a property because we have people coming in willing to pay over asking to get a property yeah, I mean, it's most of our Bay Area counties, uh, we're, they're getting, and, and it, which is kind of contrary to the rest of the country, getting 105, 109, 111% over asking price, over list price, which is, is phenomenal. Um, but the rest of the game, you know, like up in Northern California, up in the Sacramento region and the, 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 the foothills and Tahoe, you know, it's a little more competitive. We're not uh-huh. seeing that. You would agree on that? Oh, I would. I think we're seeing five and 10,000 over asking, nowhere near you know, 100% over asking. Sure. One of the things I think that uh, that kind of ties into that is, is truly came out with an article today of why home sellers should list now. And I thought it was kind of interesting. And, and uh, the shortage of inventory is really difficult for first-time home buyers because mm-hmm. people are really reluctant to make that move up. Um, and that's why there's some really good deals on the higher-end stuff out there. I would agree. Um, Cities on the West Coast uh, and Northeast, some of the least number of homes for sale. And they're actually expecting that this year is worse than the last two years as far as inventory. I would, I would agree with that. And our, our stats show the same. And that's kind of preventing our first-time home buyers to getting out there and finding properties. I know we have clients that have made several offers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually got a text question uh, late last week. Uh, and it said, this gentleman's Chris in Concord. He says, I've made 12 offers on houses so far this year. Nothing accepted. Getting frustrated. What am I doing wrong? Any answers? Well, I know what works for me is is this little trick. You know, we go out and look. It's day, you know, zero days or one day on the market. We get out there, write an offer over asking, and I ask for 24-hour um, response sure. time. And that way, if they do get six other offers on day three, you know, they may not even see them if we can get in and we're there at the first first day and we're not asking for any concessions. Yeah. And, and, and I'll do fairness. You know, the first thing you, you, you question is, all right, is, is he being represented by the mm-hmm. right person? Are they are they wording and the verbiage correctly in their offer? Are they are they making it an attractive offer to the seller? But let's assume that's all correct. But, you know, there can be certain options. You know, maybe he needs down payment assistance. Right. Maybe or closing costs. Maybe he needs uh, a, a buy. Uh, uh, a 60 day close, you know, Uh things like that, that people aren't willing to do because we're starting to see a lot more contingency sales being accepted. Right. This big domino effect. Or maybe he's got a house for sale that he's got to sell beforehand. So uh, there's a lot of variables. uh, What you're doing wrong, 
I don't. Th- you may not be doing anything wrong, but this is one of the things that we'd love to talk to you yeah, about and pick ahead. our okay. brains. You know, give us a call nine two five two zero three five eight zero eight, or give us a call even after the show nine two five two zero three five eight zero eight. These are the things that uh, we'll be happy to sit down, kind of go through what your uh, game plan is and what kind of strategy you guys are attempting. But you know, I've got a great client uh, that was referred to a friend down in the Mountain View area uh-huh. and uh, went through uh, an offer process all week long. And uh, he he went to the seller. The seller said, "All right, what's it going to take to lock this number up?" They were going to. He made the offer on Friday. He met their that price. Turns out they had eleven other offers over the weekend, and what he thought was a sure thing, uh, he decided that uh, it, it, you know they they took. He was number three, uh, and that was even after best and final. And he called me, Eric. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. I said, "This is just one time, right? You know, this is normal." Let's find out your next property. Don't get frustrated. It's an emotional thing, but let's make the next one better. And he was fully pre-approved. He went through a fully underwritten uh, pre-approval process. Uh, He was solid. Expected. Didn't happen. I think with a lot of these, it is communication. And and a lot of times, if I'm able to call the other agent and say, hey, what does your seller need? Do they need a 30-day free rent back so they have time to move their family and not move twice? And it's that communication. This all gets back to the team that you're working with. And folks out there, you know, we just, and we're going to talk about after the break, uh, one of our listeners that we actually met out, got on the contract this week, signed our disclosures, and are all good to go. But uh, right now, I want to uh, break. Folks, I want to thank you for listening to Real Life Lending here on AM 1220 KDOW. My name's Eric McKay. I'm here with Jessica Couch. We'll be right back after this. All right, folks, welcome back to Real Life Lending. Safe driving out there. We thank you for listening. Uh, This is your Northern California show for what's new and true in mortgage finance. And today I have Jessica Couch here in studio. Hi, Jessica. Good evening. You know, um, before the break, uh, we were kind of talking about... um, why homeowners should list now. And the, the, the gist of this article is it is still such a seller's market right now. Uh, cause as you mentioned earlier, things that are priced correctly are going fast with and 18 you, offers. Yeah. And you would be surprised, um, that sellers are willing to accept a contingent offer. They're willing to pay closing costs if the deal is structured correctly. And I have agents that tell me that still insist that sellers aren't going to pay closing costs. Uh, and, um, I, I like them a lot. I, I don't, I, I, when I explain to them that uh, I have contracts on my desk that, that, that prove otherwise, I think it gets back to, uh, I have an agent that calls it the Magnum PI approach. Learn a little bit about your seller, learn about what their expectations are, what they need out, what, mm-hmm. what they finally want to get out of it and structure the offer accordingly. Wouldn't you agree? I would. I think with houses that have been on the market more than 30 days, you can absolutely go in there and ask for closing costs. With things that have been on for you know one day and you're going to end up with a, an issue of overbidding and maybe not making um, appraisal, right. that could be an issue. But otherwise, if it's been on the market more than a couple of weeks, absolutely, I go in and ask for it. Yeah, one of the reasons why they, uh, this article gives that it's, uh, it's a seller's market, and they cite uh, that a lot of homes were foreclosed in 2012, and those were turned into rental units. So those homes that were normally starter homes uh-huh. are now longer off the market because they're now investment property with renters in them, which filled the supply of all the rendered needs. But folks, you got to remember, California, Northern California, number one and two the last year for rent increases. Uh-huh. And that is a huge reason of why to get off the fence and get back into home ownership again. That's really important. In fact, you know, one of the things that uh, that 
that we like to do. And I know every time you're on, you, you, you love to talk about investment property and, and multi-units. And we had a listener call uh, from Tracy. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I drove down and met him last week. And, and you already got him in contract. We were, we, we were one of three offers, and we got it. And we had our inspections done, and uh, he, our loan disclosure signed, and his loan's approved. And, and uh, that's the kind of thing that worked great. You know, at least we know there's people listening on the other side of this fuzzy thing that we talk into. Right. And uh, it, it's fun. And that's what makes this job fun. I, I think what has been really astounding with a lot of listeners that I've been had a chance to chat with lately has been folks that have a property in, say, San Jose that they're renting out, and mm-hmm. they're getting an average amount of rent, and they didn't realize they could 1031 exchange that property or their property in Mountain House or pick a place where property values have doubled, sure. and they could 1031 exchange that and get double, sometimes triple the rent they're getting in a eight unit or small apartment complex or two fourplexes. There's an endless amount of options out there where they could be making so much more money. They just didn't realize that was an option. And I know that uh, people that have a a ton of equity, um, especially in the Bay Area, Mm -hmm. uh, have a couple options is is one. uh, And I know that this particular listener, he and his wife differ. He wants to sell and that property and take out that big chunk of equity and go buy an eight, 10, 12 unit place and live mm-hmm. in one. She not, doesn't really want to do that. She's getting and, there. And, and I, I can understand that too, but folks, you're sitting on so much equity and I get it. You know, think of your house you've lived in for years. I get it. I've been in my house for 18 years. I, it's, it's, it'd be tough for me to sell, but uh, especially if you own an investment property that is market rent is, you know, $2,500 a month. You have 500,000 in equity in it. Uh, there's certain areas that are not too far away where you can buy a duplex for two twenty five or two fifty uh, and and or a four unit. Mm-hmm. I know you've got an example of one right now. I've got a couple of those. Um, there is one four unit at two forty five. So what would a, what would a mortgage be at around two forty five with twenty five percent down? What would uh, that two forty five about uh, twenty percent? Is it a multi unit or a single family home? Fourplex, multi. Oh, fourplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need twenty five percent down, right? Principal interest tax insurance, twenty five percent down, you're probably looking at about twelve hundred dollars a month. Okay. And this unit brings in two thousand a month. Okay. So you're positive day one. Right. And if we look at this in a um it's more than a five unit. This this particular unit is a six unit also in Sacramento. Um listed at four hundred thousand. You said the payment would be nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, about just under two grand. Twenty five percent down uh for a four unit, four hundred thousand dollar purchase. Th- this price. is a six unit. Oh, a six, six unit. unit. Okay, so commercial loan. Right. You would need a commercial loan, but you know what this brings in? Five thousand a month. Wow. Cha-ching. You can make some money here. And uh, folks, uh, again, you know, when you get over four units, it takes you out of the residential uh, loan and puts you into a commercial loan. But those are those are, are, are pricing really well. You're not going to find a 30 year fixed commercial loan. They're usually fixed for five, seven or 10 years, but they're in the mid threes right now. And that is in your cash flowing, what, three grand a month. Right. That is uh, an amazing amount of money. Absolutely. So what would be an option for someone who doesn't want to sell their property and who has 500000 in equity? What would that look like? A couple ways to do it. Uh, one, uh, you know, I'm not really a fan of, of taking money out of your primary residence. Um, but you know what? We're coming up on a break. Let's hold that one okay. over. Folks, if you want to get your question answered, give us a call or text. Same number, 925-203-5808, 925-203-5808. You're listening to Real Life Lending. We'll be right back after this. All right, folks. Welcome back to Real Life Lending here on AM 1220 KDOW. My name is Eric McKay. I'm here with Jessica Couch. And before the break, uh, Jessica had proposed a question. We actually got a, uh, a text question from Dan. Um, 
and it kind of is the same thing. He wanted to know if it was a good idea to take equity out of my primary to purchase an investment property. You know, during the downturn, a lot of people did that right. uh, and created a whole new flock of investors, which was great because people saw the value in real estate. They saw that it was a good buy. Um, and and I have two schools of thought. I'm probably a, probably one of the few lenders that, that would probably de- deter you from taking money out of your primary residence. It's your house. That's your fixed housing cost for the rest mm-hmm. of your life, right? But there are other ways to do that. But if it actually makes sense and it's a positive cash flow situation and, and we do your homework and you talk to your CPA about your tax ramifications and everything else and you get all your team involved and it's a good idea, two ways. It depends on what your interest rate is currently on your home. Uh, if we can beat it and take some cash out, great. Um, there there are, and one of you, again, it's tough being a lender and saying this on air, but uh, those of you who listen know me. Um, if I want an equity line or something like that, I'll go to my credit union uh, because they'll do it cheaper. Even, you know, we Eskis Mortgage doesn't offer second mortgages, um, but you can do it probably cheaper with no appraisal costs if you were to do something like that. Now, the downside of a home equity line of credit or a HELOC is that usually it's variable and it's tied to prime. Yes, prime has been a very low fixed rate. It's adjusted once in eight years, just last year, um, and it's currently at uh, 3.5%. Uh, some equity lines out there are like three and a half, prime plus one or prime plus two, so you're around four or 5%. Now, you can go with a fixed option, but uh, th- that's what I would really search for, but I hear they're like in the seven, so that's your quandary is is getting money out uh, uh, we're dealing with somebody another listener to the show that i spoke with tonight that wants to kind of do the same he wants to take money out of a he bought it as a primary up here in sacramento actually and he now lives in the bay area listens to our show he wants to pull the money out of his his uh his investment property to purchase another investment property and but he doesn't want to do heloc he doesn't want to have the exposure to rates so we're going to do a refinance on his investment property so Again, investment properties are great. It's a tool. You mm-hmm. have somebody else paying off that asset. It's You're able to depreciate it. There's a lot of benefit for you on an investment property. So then it becomes a numbers game. And I don't, I don't mean to, to, try to, to try to not answer your question, Jessica, but there's a lot of ways to do that, and there's a right way and a wrong way. Uh, I think what got us into trouble in the past was people using their homes as an ATM. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best example I have is that every boat dealership in Sacramento went out of business when the down, when the, when the so real estate true. market crashed. Uh, and, and so be smart about it, folks, and call us and, and, and ask that question, and we'll find the right structure for you, and we'll give you our two cents whether it's a good idea. Again, if you're listeners out there, uh, give us a call, 925-203. Uh, call or text, 925-203-5808. Ah, Jessica, we were talking about an investment property. You know, those are just some of the great ideas about one of the things we like about multi-units is that you're not, you know, single family homes are great. They they appreciate, they have a fixed cost. But one of the things, what happens if your renter decides to leave? You're at least looking at, what, two months to find somebody in there. So you lost two months of rent. Uh, on a multi-unit, let's say you have a four-unit, somebody leaves, you still got three other people making the payment, right? Right, right. Well, and we were Spread talking about risk. that uh, one of the cheapest fourplexes at two ten. That you were saying the mortgage payment would be right around a thousand sixty-eight. Right. Is that right? And this right. brings in twenty-two hundred. And that that is a great example of something. Same price as a single-family residence, and you can get a fourplex with that. And money. the purchase price was what two twenty-five. Two twenty. It's been on the market long enough. I think we can get it for two ten. Well, let's say it's two twenty. They put twenty five percent down, fifty five thousand dollars. They're paying eleven hundred a month. They're getting two twenty four thousand dollars a year, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so they're making twelve thousand. Your return on investment down, put down fifty five, making twelve. Gee, that's a, that's that's 
almost 20% return on investment. That's that a slam a dunk re- deal. Right. Rather than keeping that what money is your, in what your, your... What is your credit union paying your, right, your, or your right. bank account paying you and your savings account? So in that circumstance, it's a great deal. Now, obviously, we're going to factor in 25% for vacancy factor and other items in there. But I got to tell you... Um, you know, real estate has always been a great tool, especially when you're buying, buy and hold. And, you know, market's going to fluctuate up and down. We've, I've been through three downturns in my life and career. And, uh, but rents are always coming in, right? Especially in our area. It is mailbox money. That's what we call it. Mailbox money. And it's going up 10 to 20% depending on where you live. So it's a great tool, great investment. We like First-time investors. In fact, I've got a, a, a an old client that has several multi-units up here in the Sacramento area. He lives down in the Bay Area in the East Bay, and he's liquidating all of them to buy a larger commercial residential property, twelve units in the East Bay, because he wants to be closer to him. He wants to manage himself. Solid move. He bought right. He's going to buy a two million dollar property, put thirty percent down, and it's going to cash flow. And it's going to be a substantial asset for him and a great retirement income for him in the future. I need those addresses. (laughs) All right, folks, we're coming up on another break. You're listening to Real Life Only. We come back. We're going to get to some of the text questions that have come in. My name is Eric McKay. We'll be right back after this. All right, folks, welcome back to Real Life Lending. Again, any questions, give us a call, 925-203-5808. We're going to kind of, at the beginning of the show, I kind of forgot about it because we've been so busy, is that I wanted some success stories and some the worst experiences and the best experience of a real estate transaction. I actually had a call from a client we were talking before the show. Um, his bank, uh, who he's had on an investment property, um, called him and said, Hey, I can, you know, that you're, I know you're, you're, you're close to being underwater. We think we can refinance it. Here's our special deal for our clients. So he called me. I said, yeah, sure. Go ahead and see what they offer you. And so he, he, the, he filled out the application. The appraiser uh, came out yesterday and, uh, he called me last night. He said, Eric, you'll never guess what happened. I said, what? He said, well, my, I was at work. My, my wife let the appraiser in. Uh, she excused herself to go to the kitchen to finish doing what she was doing. And, uh, he, and he went to do his business and he was taking pictures. And next thing she knows, he hears him playing the piano, uh, in their house and playing and playing and playing and playing. So she just peeks over, sees, and then goes back to what she's doing. So then he finally finishes up and he's getting ready to walk out the door and he leans over and gives her a kiss on the side of the face. <laughs> Have you ever heard an appraiser kissing, uh, a client before? I, I think he had to have had some drinks with lunch. That just does not uh, my, add up. And my buddy's all, well, I don't care. As long as he gives us a good appraisal, you know, as, uh, he can have a kiss. But uh, he called me and goes, he, I go, get on the phone with your lender and, and, and put an end to that. Who did you hire? I, yeah. I, and uh, it was a national bank. And, and uh, but, but that, I just, I've never had that happen in 27 years. Have you ever heard of that? Never. Appraiser leans in and kisses your wife goodbye. No. <laughs> after serenading her on the piano never that is a crazy story so you know what it does happen and, and, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some other ones what, 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 what do you like about our industry right now what do you hate about our industry Jessica Oh, I would say what I really enjoy is that I work with a lot of savvy buyers. Sure. You know, I, I love working with first-time buyers. Don't get me wrong. I love that. But I'm working with savvy buyers that know what they want. And I, I feel like that is the majority of the frustration from agents that I know I, I coach and, and mentor has been agents saying, I don't like working with buyers. It's a waste of my time. I don't like work. And I'm like, then you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I work with a, a savvy group of buyers and it's it's wonderful and exciting to go out there and see what's available and go make offers and get into contract. Absolutely. And even the first-time home 
homebuyers. You know, the young kids, millennials, they're educated. They, right. they, I would agree. You know, they, they're, they're doing their research, which is great. They listen to the show, which is great. But, you know, one of the things I think is, is really neat is there's so many tools uh, out there for people to do some education. Now, one of the things I want to remind folks, when you're doing your research online, look at the date. You know, I had a client that was swore that FHA rules were such, and I gave me the URL, and the, it was from dated 2011. So obviously things change. But I like it when people, and we look at ourselves as educators, right? Right, we, absolutely. We know our market. We live and breathe this every day. And this is something that uh, we kind of hold dear to our heart. This is why I do the show, to help people get back into the market and, and understand what they're doing. But uh, things happen. You know, I, I like where the industry is. I think that... Uh, uh, I don't think the lending guidelines should get any any more lenient. I think we're at a good spot. It's common sense underwriting right now. Mm-hmm. I think you should be able, to be able to prove your income, your assets. We have some great down payment assistance programs. I know you and I have used them in the past, and uh, I've got a client that closed this week, uh, $20,000 grant, no repayment, no recapture of funds, got their $1,000 earnest money check oh, back. Amazing. Uh, all it cost them to buy a house was their cost of their appraisal and inspection. So, it doesn't mean that if you if you if something's holding you back, the best thing you could do is give us a call, and we can you know you've, one of the things we offer is a fully underwritten pre-approval, and you can jump on my website, complete an application. We can take you through the whole underwriting process before you even start looking for a home. So by the time you're done, you're going to know what your payment's going to be. You know we know what your down payment's going to be. You're going to know what programs you qualify for, any down payment assistance programs. So you're going to be knowledgeable. And, and comfortable when you go out and look at that home. You're going to know exactly how much that home is going to cost you each month. And then Jessica can go out, find your house, get you in contract in 24 hours. Right. <laughs> we can. Um, but one of the good things and the bad things, well, the CFPB, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, came out with some of the things that homeowners are frustrated about. And you'd be surprised. What would you guess the number one homeowner complaint is uh, mm. to the lending industry? Oh, that guidelines are too tight. Well, but but it's kind of funny, and I would assume the same thing is that people don't like uh, what they're well, you know how they they've been told no, nobody uh-huh. likes no, or there's a hurdle and they're a problem. But um, the biggest problem uh, is obviously a loan modification and collection and foreclosure. So anybody that's worked with a servicing company knows that that can be daunting at some time. But the next biggest was about thirty, I think it's thirty four percent is. Uh, Inaccurate tax data and impound collections. Wow. Surprising, surprising. huh? Um, Lack of standardization and underwriting drives a problem, they're saying, which is not true because we get the tax information from the county. Right. Right. (coughs) And, um, but, but, uh, most of 50% of borrowers and and people that actually bought a home in the last couple of years told the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau that they were only somewhat familiar with the amounts required at closing a percentage, uh, even higher among first time home buyers. And the inaccuracies of tax estimates. Now, we had one situation where there was some Melarus that came out or an additional tax supplement that right. came out. Um, but and, and I think one of the other things that people get turned back is the supplemental tax bill. Right. You know, and that's something that really needs to be explained. But if you're impounding your tax insurance, there's a rule based on the month that your first payment is due of how many how many months of taxes and insurance we need to collect to set up your impound accounts. Uh, But as with any purchase, there's a small period between the time you start closing, you start uh, paying your mortgage and the seller paid his taxes that there's a gap and the supplemental tax bill always comes. And that's the difference between what the seller was paying in taxes and what you're now paying in taxes. So I know that can be daunting, but I found that that was uh, really strange. Uh, The other complaints were application of 7% originator and mortgage broker 
only 7% complained about us. Settlement procedures and cost was about 4%. Credit decision and underwriting was about 2%, and other was the remaining 2%. So that's what everybody's frustrated about in our industry. We're doing pretty good, I think. I think so. I think it's a good point. All right, folks, uh, we're coming up on our last break here. Uh, You're listening to Real Life Lending here on AM 1220 KDOW. My name is Eric McKay. I'm here with Jessica Couch, and if you have any questions, give us a call, 925-203-5808. Call or text. No calls today, lots of texts. Well, maybe they're saving them. (laughs) All right, folks, we'll be right back after this. All right, folks, welcome back. To Real Life Lending. My name is Eric McKay. Today we have Jessica Couch. And Jessica, I want you to give your contact information a couple times before the end of the show. How does somebody get a hold of you if they want to use your services, buy one of those multi-units? I know the last time you got like eight calls. so And in contract right away. Thank you very much. How does somebody get a hold of you? (laughs) 916-532-8916. You can call or text 916-532-8916. All right, folks, if you have any questions, and if you forget that, you can always go to reallifelending.com. We'll make sure Jessica gets a hold of you. Text question coming in says, Eric, can I get a second job to qualify for a home purchase? Um, Good question. We get that asked all the time, and the answer is uh, yes, if you want to buy two years from now. We have to have a two-year history of having a second job. It doesn't have to be the same job, but we have to have a two-year history of a second employment in order to count that income. we always have the option of doing a non-occupied co-borrower if you're short on income. And now, not only does FHA offer non-occupied co-borrowers, we have the new Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac Home Ready program and Home Possible. It's a conventional loan, 3% down. That will allow a non-occupied co-borrower. Interesting. It will allow household income, a non-borrowing spouse. Wow. It will allow border income. If you're renting a room, it will allow us to use 30% of the border income to help wow. you qualify for a home. It's a great new product that nobody is really talking about. Nobody understands it. If you have a question, if you're getting ready to, to, to apply for an FHA loan, you know FHA is great, uh, but uh, if you have 3% down, this new home ready program is absolutely great because in some cases we can use your wife's credit, uh, wife's income without using your liabilities. And this doesn't have to be just a home path home. It can does be not any, wow. any property in California. I'm going to start talking about this. Yeah, I mean it, it's really unique and it it it's some flexibility. And even on the lower FICO stuff, it has a cap on on rate, so it has a max of adjustments for hits on loan to value and FICO score. So uh, again, if you want to learn more about that, give me a call nine two five two zero three five eight zero eight nine two five two zero three I have a question here. I think it's for you, Jessica. Trying to find it here, and I'm looking on my phone, and it's really tough. Uh, With your a million text messages that came in today? Oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Dead air. Not good. You got to fill it, Jessica, when I'm not saying anything. Well, while you're looking, I can only imagine it's be- I think Eric is feeling the same thing I'm feeling right now. Everyone who is considering buying is just coming out. Right. They're all calling this week. They all want to jump on board, and it's you know what to do first. And I, I think it is important to remember whether it's tomorrow or in six months from now that you're able to buy, not doing anything, you're making a decision Absolutely. right now to not do anything. At least if you're on you know the folks we were talking about during break, they're working on their credit. It might be six or 12 right. months, but at least they're moving moving that direction rather than not doing anything. That yeah, is a choice. Absolutely, folks. One of the things that I think that's really important is is that you, you make a plan. And, you know, 
20% of the people, 30% of the people that call from the show, all the listeners, you know, we, we can't buy today, but we work on credit. We work on finding a down payment source. We, we'll get it ironed out. At least we can make a plan so you can eventually say goodbye to your landlord. Right. Because right now you're paying off his mortgage. And that's the most important thing. And if you go to reallifelending.com, you'll go to the homepage and you'll be able to find some, some videos about uh, how we look at your income, what to expect, some calculators on what you can expect your payments to be, some really good, useful tools. Uh, and when you get done there, give us a call and we'd love to set you up and actually go through the process and get you fully pre-approved and get you into your next home. Now, Jessica, I know that we talk about inventory all the time, um, still really good programs right now for home buyers, like we just mentioned for first time home buyers. But one of the things I like to see is the millennials finally getting back into business. And I know that especially in the downtown, one of the things we talked about last week is people, you know, everybody wants to live where you work, right? Or right. Work, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, moving away to get a little bit place where you can afford if you're starting out is a great idea. We have some clients, other listeners to the show that uh-huh. uh, lived in San Jose, got priced out of the market. Um, I met with them last week as well, and they're in contract on a new property in Elk Grove. They're going to commute, you know, 60, 70 miles, right. but they're getting a brand new how big is the house? It is 2,600. 2,600 square feet uh, for about 430, 420. Right. That's with upgrades, with right? With upgrades. Uh, and, uh, you know, that house in San Jose would cost them $900,000. And it was about half the size and it was attached and it was an HOA sure. on top. <laughs> Absolutely. So those are the things that, you know, especially first-time home buyers, you know, set your expectations. You got to remember, your first home, this will eventually be a rental for you, right? right. Turn it into a rental, move on. Um, that is my advice. And it's great to, to see people. And they had actually been told no before right? Know, about from another lender that was too far away. So again, if, if you've been told no in the past, or if you just have questions, give me a call and, and, and we'll work it out. 925-203-5808. Jessica, I want to thank you for being here again and give well, everybody you. your number one more time. Uh, if you're looking to make money on your money, uh, 916-532-8916. We have to have uh, some more of those $99,000 duplexes because those I go fast. Lo- fast. I am looking. <laughs> I, I search every day. In fact, you know, we know the agent that that was for, right? Right. Yeah. All right, folks. Again, if Jessica, uh, give her a call. Give me a call. We'll get you pre-approved. We'll get you to the next level. Thank you for listening to Real Life Lending and keeping me on the air for so long. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time on Real Life Lending.